That's going to change that one beginning part for Saber Dive Magazine. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Ranting Ron Show with, of course, my regular co-host on the Warpath, Steve. On this Thursday edition, I know everyone who was expecting our show last night. I did have this cancel it. I wasn't feeling great, um, but I'm getting back there today. And so Steve's going to do a lot. Of, Steve would have handled a lot of talking then anyways. Uh, how you doing, Steve? I'm doing good, Ron. How's it going? I'm doing great, man. I'm doing great. And, of course, our special guest tonight from Evolving Hockey and Evolving Wild is Josh. Josh, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. All right. Now, how we how we know it's really you and not Luke? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's it's definitely something that uh, uh, a lot of people can't tell. I mean, it's we so we used to do well a little bit of history, but we when we first started, some maybe you you knew about this, but we we actually started as one person because we just we weren't like like <laughs> we didn't do anything like we were kind of just doing it as a hobby. Um, so our account that we have on Twitter right now, we just started with the two of us together, and we would just post graphs and charts and whatnot. And uh, but we kept it as one person because we weren't really sure how to like be two people on one account. And it kind of snowballed, and we got you know we got asked by hockey graphs to write for them, and we started doing more work. And it kind of was this like uh, this lie that nobody really like we didn't tell anybody that we were two people, so people just assumed <laughs> we were one person. And we wow. made a fake name and a whole thing, and then we had to like kind of come out because we weren't really sure what we were going to do. But when we realized that we might be meeting people in person, it would be weird to show up as one person and then there'd be twins, you know, who'd be there. <laughs> so, yes, uh, I'm Josh. I run the uh, Evolving Hockey. I'm co-creator with my brother, Luke, who's a, uh, my twin. So, yes, to answer your question, um, you we look – I think we look a little different, but we are identical. So, people do have a lot of trouble telling us apart. So, I can't really guarantee – you know, you can't – you shouldn't trust me as a twin. That I, <laughs> I, I had no idea you did that. So, I was just joking. I said, how do we know it's really you? It's kind of like if your parents wanted to send one of you to school every other day, they would have got away with it. So Yeah. I mean, we I, we haven't done I, – I don't particularly, like, get joy out of seeing people get uncomfortable, which is how most people in general get when they're dealing with twins anyway because they feel bad that they can't tell you apart. But like, you know, at, at this point, at this point in my life, it's like, well, that comes with the territory. So I don't really like to trick people. But the only thing that we have done is we switched instruments and band in high school a few times just because right. we're trying to be fun. So right. that's the only thing that we've done. That's so, right. I have one question for you before we get into our hockey uh, talk. And by the way, Josh is uh, the premier expert in the public hockey world when it comes to uh, hockey analytics. So. I'm hoping to learn a lot tonight because I'm older, so this is all very, very brand new for me. When I grew up, it was about goals and assistant points, whoever won the hockey game. I do have one question, though. Yeah. Have you ever asked your parents if they mix you up as a kid and you, you really are who you are? Well, that so that's the – I they, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the way it works with twins is they put tags on the feet right away. Um, oh, but okay. The thing is, I don't know, I might be Luke and he might be Josh and we would never know, but at this point we are kind of who we are, so it's uh, – I think it's very plausible, and I don't know if my mom can actively can absolutely say with one hundred percent certainty that we did she we weren't switched up. But then we maybe got switched up again, and then we're back to where we started. So, you know, there you you know. go. I was just thinking about this episode of Full House where Jesse switched the socks, but there was a, a birthmark or something that uh, uh, the mom knew. So you know, but uh, yeah, yeah. I just knew. So uh, so you you are evolving hockey and also evolving wild um, because you're from Minnesota. I take it so you're Minnesota yeah. fans. How how did you start this um, evolving like evolving hockey? What, what why are you so in analytics about hockey? 
Yeah, so uh, it's kind of a funny backstory. I'll try to keep it kind of short because I could I could go on about this for a while because I find origin stories like this kind of interesting. But um, we actually neither one of us were even you know believe it or not we grew up in Minnesota. Um, you know, all my friends played hockey. My dad played hockey. Like I, but I was a baseball guy. Like I grew up as a Twins fan. I played basically since T-ball up until I went to college. We played baseball. Um, and the only reason I didn't play baseball in college was because we were both music majors in college, and there's time for it. Um, and so. I actually didn't get into hockey until basically after I graduated college. I wasn't, I kind of was aware of it a little bit. I watched my dad play. I, you know, I had friends that I would watch the game, but um, we kind of were being baseball fans. I was more into like the stats of baseball, kind of that whole thing. So like the early movements in sabermetrics and analytics and that kind of stuff. And um, basically when I graduated college, I didn't have anything to do. Uh, I was living at home for six months and my dad would watch the wild and Luke and I would just, at night after work, I would just sit on the couch and be, we'd watch games with them because I didn't have anything else to do. And I just fell in love with the game like immediately. And because I had kind of been a big baseball fan my whole life and was kind of aware of the more into the analytics stuff there, um, that was kind of right when we started watching hockey. I was really into the stats side. So it was early on just a big hobby of ours. I was not really doing anything like what we're doing now. Um, a lot of it was just kind of lurking on Twitter and being on random, you know, subreddits and stuff like that and forums. But um, really what happened was I think it was the beginning of the 2016 season. Uh, now, now analyst for the Avalanche, Dawson Spriggins, previously DTM about heart. Um, he did some he was doing some really great work, wait, you know, five years ago. Um, and he did a war model that I thought was fantastic, like was fascinating because coming from baseball, that's where the idea for this kind of metric came from. And it was borrowed from that. And so when he did that, having been kind of a baseball fan, Luke and I were just like, okay, well, let's, I want to look, use this because I think this is really cool. Um, and we basically just started posting charts using Excel. We would use his data. Um, and from that, we just kind of started working. And uh, I think we kind of had a bit of a knack for it, but we also got in kind of at a good time when it was, um, we got asked by Hockey Graphs to write for them. And so we started writing articles for Hockey Graphs. Um, shout out to Hockey Graphs because I don't think we'd be here without, you know, uh, um, with them asking us to write for them. And then after that, we just, honestly, I, t I, I get very obsessive about my hobbies, both Luke and I do. Um, and we just, I, I, it wasn't really a conscious choice, but we, I guess, made a decision to have no life and just like go all in on this because I was really interested in it. Um, and that just basically led to us learning. Uh, we, we were originally in Excel and we had to learn R, which is a statistical programming language. And we taught ourselves that. And then we really wanted to build our own war model. And that basically led to the point where we kind of were starting to share some more metrics in Google Sheets and then people were getting annoyed with that. And so we built a website and then that kind of, that was at the same time when Corsica was around for anyone who remembers Manny, uh, Manuel Perry. Um, and then that kind of went down and we were around and um, we just basically put a bunch of time to do it and uh, kind of just kept sticking around. Um, I think normally a lot of these stat sites, the people who make them get hired by teams. And then when they get hired by teams, the site goes down. So for a year it was always, there'd be a site up and then a team would take notice and then they would hire that person. And then they would basically, that person couldn't have a site anymore. And so then another one come around and another one would come around. But um, Luke and I were never really that interested in working for a team, to be honest, we just were really interested in, in doing the data. So that's kind of the, like kind of a long, but still short version of how we're, how we got to where we're at now. All right. So when Kevin Adams called you last week, you said, no, got it. <laughs> All right. All right, go ahead, Steve. You're on the clock here. We got no oh, yeah. hard questions here. So I just have one question because you just mentioned teams, um, and you obviously wouldn't have to mention anybody, but you said you guys have no interest. Have you ever been approached by anybody 
to um, either work for a team or join like a bigger group? Yeah, we've had we've had several like uh, people like here and there approach us. Um, I, I I don't really like to get into it too much, but it's definitely yeah, something fair. that we. Um, I think we have it, part of it is that we kind of I'm th- so I'm going to be 32 this summer, which, you know, some people like, you you know, I some people get think I'm still a kid or something, you know, because I think maybe some of the, the way that we sometimes just have fun on Twitter, I think maybe people think we're a little younger. But um, I, we got into it kind of in our late 20s. A lot of people when they do and this, I don't want to speak for the entirety of the statistical community in hockey, but a lot of people when they get into it, get into it in college or in early mm-hmm. 20s. And then they'll kind of work their way into a job in their early kind of, you know, as one of their first jobs out of college, that kind of thing. Um, I was already we already had I was I just it was never something that I was interested in. I think one of the things that Luke and I really enjoy is just doing work and then having like journalists and bloggers and and fans just people use our stuff and and see kind of how the stuff that we provide is being used. And because not only I mean, we use our I mean, I we made the site, but then I also use our site a lot. Like just because it's e- it like I bet it's much easier than doing like SQL queries and running R's code stuff like that when I can just go to our site. But when I see like people use our stuff, like that's really kind of what drives it for us. And so we're we're really in it to just kind of provide I think a a, a foundation. So we have had some offers and some kind of things here and there, but maybe not as many as people would pretend, maybe think because for various reasons we also don't really ever ask or you know look for it. Yeah. Was Buffalo well, on the teams? No, you don't just say go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Steve. Well, yeah, I mean, I, we'll take off I, a lot of people if it's if if they never asked you. So we'll just pretend they did and you said no. Yeah. So I um, I mean, I'm myself kind of a right brain person. So like, I I love your site. Um, like the R APM charts, the um, and now the player cards. They just kind of like, I appreciate your you guys charts and stuff because it just kind of clicks with my brain a little better than just having a table full of numbers. Well, thank you. That's, that's very nice to hear. That's kind of what we aim for. And I love hearing yeah. people who find value in the stuff that we provide. I think it's great. Yeah. So um, we'll get into the hockey talk here. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this first topic because I really want to stay into the meaty analytics stuff, but we had a Stanley cup champion crowned last night. We can't oh. really not talk about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you what you guys think. Um, if either of you guys thought Montreal had a chance. Um, I'm just kind of surprised it won five games, personally. Yeah. I so went seven. <laughs> we it was funny. We have a very uh, we had a very interesting relationship with the Canadians fan base this season because going into we do projections for both the playoffs, but also heading into the regular season, we do point uh-huh. projections for teams like how they'll finish in the standings, uh-huh. that kind of stuff. And our model actually we had the Canadians finishing one point above Toronto in the North. And we got a lot of hate from Leafs fans because of that. But then the Canadians started the first, what, the two or three weeks of the season, they were on a tear. They, you know, we had people tweeting their juggernauts and, you know, this kind of stuff. And then obviously they fell off. But then when they performed well in the playoffs, it was kind of funny because I'm like, oh, well, maybe there was something there to what we had in the regular season. But no, we, every series except Winnipeg, we had them as underdogs <laughs> in the playoffs. Um, <laughs> We had them as fifty-one percent favorites against the Jets, I believe. They were. We had the lighting as eighty-three percent favorites in the final. So uh, we were really. I mean, our model in the playoffs was about as. I think it was of the fifteen or so public models that were out there. I think we were about as high on Tampa as I think any other model. 
Um, part of that was a lot of our stuff really, really likes Kucherov. And we kind of just, I mean, it's, it's kind of a guess about whether or not him missing time is going to impact his value, but we, we didn't really do any ad hoc adjustments to say like, Oh, he missed a whole year. He's going to be worse. We just kind of used what we knew about him. And then he ended up still being pretty good, which we got a little lucky there. But um, yeah, I think, uh, I think it's actually, I think a little rarer for uh, a series to get like to be a sweep basically. So uh -huh. I think you would generally, even with that big of a, of a yeah. given five the limit of a seven games hockey game or series, like five games is still a pretty, you know, they're the lightning were still yeah. clearly the better team. I think in that, um, you know, I thought the Vegas series was actually more interesting because Vegas is just, they on paper, they look really, really good, but then they just have these weird stretches where they kind of like, I don't know. They take a lot of point shots. They kind of, you know, I don't know. There's something about Vegas I think is interesting where you think they would be like kind of, you know, that good, but then they are able to. The Canyons, I mean, to give them credit though. They played really, really well in the playoffs. So, mm -hmm. right. for sure. And uh, real quick, welcome, Jay. Glad you got on with us, Jay. I don't know how it looks to you, but Jay, above you is Josh from Minnesota, uh, evolving wild and evolving hockey. We are talking. Uh, analytics here tonight. Sorry. Um, so, so I'm, I'm kind of out. Yeah, you had, you had to think. You had to think about it, Ron. Yeah, I know. You know, expected by whom? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, Ron. yeah. I was gonna say Ron still asks expected by whom was it? I didn't so. say it first. <laughs> One of our local newspaper guys, when somebody the expected goal thing that, and you probably know Chad in Minnesota of expected Buffalo. His thing, you know, expected goals or whatever, and then our local reporter said, "Expected by who?" And I'm almost like, "Yeah, really? What does it mean? Expect? I expect a goalie makes a save. I expect this guy to score." What do you, and I and I I don't. I'm not anti-analytical. I just want to stand up and they'll tell you. These guys will tell you. I listen to it all. I'd rather you guys tell me than me try to figure it out. Say, "Oh yeah, you know, like Skinner really." He should have had 40 goals this year because he had so many chances. But, you know, and I see, I can see that. That I can kind of see myself. But uh. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because the, the term itself actually got – we kind of stole it from soccer or football. It's it's not a hockey metric by any means. It was originally the same kind of ideas were used in soccer for years. And so it was them. You can blame them for, for making the name. I mean, it, it's more really the – you know, the expected part of it is that it's a probability model. More, I mean, it's a binary model. But it, it assigns probabilities to given shots. So it's like what would we expect this shot – how often would we expect this shot to be comfortable? That's kind of where the name comes from. Well, speaking of stealing from soccer, we stole from soccer for a coach recently. But, you know, that's a whole other story there. Um, <laughs> all right. So, Steve, you want to go next to your next question here? Yeah. So, um, r real quick – so, you know, the Sabres really haven't been very, like, analytical forward for the last decade, which is probably why they're in the basement. <laughs> Ron's been trying to convince me for the last two years, oh, yeah, well, they're going to turn it around. Oh, they just hired Jason Carmanos. He walks on water. But this week, this week they, they made a hire that actually made me turn my head. Um, they hired Sam Ventura, who I believe was one of the – co-founders of War on Ice, and then yep. he's worked for um, the Penguins for the last five or six years. Um, I'm just curious what, what you think about that hire. Um, is it a good hire for the Sabres? I don't know if you know Sam at all or 
Just your thoughts yeah. on that. I mean, Sam, other than I would say maybe two other analysts who are even in the league, is probably the best person in all of hockey stats and hockey analytics. I, I actually think that we've, we've met Sam several times. We know him pretty well. Um, the original team for Warren Ice was Andrew Thomas, who now runs. Uh, he used to be the wild, one of the wild analysts, and now he runs. He's basically the director of all of I think, the aspects of SMP that are tracking the, or that are dealing with the player tracking data now. Um, and and Andrew and him and Sam Ventura, along with Alexander Mandricki, who's now the director of analytics. I'm not entirely sure of the titles; they seem to change here and there. But she's yeah. the now with Seattle, all three of those people were the original people for the this website called War on Ice. Um, that was around in maybe 2013, 14, 15, somewhere around there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they all got hired by various teams and the site went down. But Sam is an absolute, I mean, he is just an incredible analyst. Like, he is really, really, like, much, probably, I, well, he's much smarter than I am in terms when it comes to this kind of stuff. And, and he really is a good hire. I was so surprised when I heard that the Sabres hired Sam and because <laughs> I, I don't know, a lot of this stuff is we can't really know. I mean, once somebody goes and works for a team, you just don't, unless you are good friends with them or you have some kind of in with them, you don't hear anything about those people or what they're doing. Cause that's the team's edge, right? I mean, they're not going to share that stuff with anybody. Um, so it's hard to really know what he was doing with Pittsburgh or what his role was, but based on his previous work and his, you know, his research, he was, mm-hmm. part, I think Carnegie Mellon, I think, or yep. I, I think that's where he was. Um, I mean, assistant coach on the hockey team. Yeah. Yep. And I, he's just brilliant. Honestly, it's, I, I don't, I can't, I, I can't really like stop showering him with praise really, because he's really just that great. So you're saying he was a brilliant hire by Jason Carmanos because without Jason Carmanos, he's not here. I just want to say, my man who walked in water brought the guy, Steve. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm missing some, <laughs> some context or in-joke aspects here, so I will not uh, comment, but he's he is really just fantastic. Good. That's awesome. Well, we need some fantastic around here. Jay, you have anything to say real quick on uh, that? Yeah. Um, As far as the hiring, I guess I'm kind of I, – I was looking more at – uh, just con- contracts in general and, you know, acquiring talent in general and obviously keeping the talent that you have. Um, I, gu- I guess, like, as far as contracts go, like with football, very good. It seems a lot more simple, plain, pretty easy cut as far as the contract world goes. And then when you get into hockey, it gets a little stickier. And then when you get into baseball, it's like all bets are off. You've got to know your stuff because it's so complicated. But I'm just starting to understand NHL contracts. Um, so I guess taking a look at that, I know this isn't really – uh, the questions you were talking about, but um, something that I'm trying to understand that I know you kind of specialize in uh, with RFAs and UFAs. Um, uh, I don't want to get into anything you guys have already gotten into with like Darlene and Reinhardt, but we haven't talked about um, it. We haven't, we haven't talked. Okay. About well then, then I'll, I'll let you segue into that there and uh, act like I never spoke. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Steve, bring it up. All right. So actually I, I will jump, jump ahead and maybe we'll kind of come back around a little later. So um, Joel Erickson Eck, um, f- center for the Wild, he's, what, 24? He just signed a big, big extension. Um, doesn't really have a ton of points. But um, so I'm just wondering, like, some, some non-analytics people might kind of, like, you know, like shrug their shoulders at that. I'm wondering, like, how do you feel as a wild fan and as someone who does analytics and does contract projections? 
how do you feel the Wild did on that? Steve, oh, you want I, to chart up? Um, eh, maybe, maybe, maybe in a minute. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, so I, as a Wild fan, I, I will say that I'm not as nearly as much of a Wild fan as I used to be because when you start working with this kind of stuff, like when you're working with all 30, 31 teams, 32 mm -hmm. teams every day, it, you kind of just start hating all the teams. And uh, I've kind of, you know, I've lost a little bit of my fa original fandom. So I, I, I don't, I still watch every Wild game and, and I still cheer for them so to an extent, but I don't have that, uh, that drive, I guess, that I used to just, mm -hmm. kind of, you know, really that passion of a fan or whatever. It's kind of just gone, which is, that's a whole other thing, though. But uh, Eric Sinek is is a fantastic player. Now you said he he doesn't. You're right. He doesn't put up a lot of points like what by what most people would think. Um, but his role has always been the, the team, and almost to a little bit of his detriment, has just used him as just a. Uh, for a while, it was kind of the predecessor or the replacement for Koibu. Koibu was getting older. You know, Koibu was always like. I mean, Koibu is along with Datsuk and Bergeron is. He doesn't get recognized as much as he should for like the defensive forward that he was. How no, good he was, but um, Ericsson kind of was used after Koibu started to age out. They kind of replaced Ericsson as that defensive shutdown guy, um, and they still have just been doing that. They don't even. They didn't play him hardly at all with Kaprizov this last year. Um, like it was mostly him and Marcus Foligno, who's also another excellent defensive forward. Mm. Um, I think we so we projected his eight year uh, to get onto the contracts. I, I believe he signed. Let me just actually just double check this because we had his eight year. We actually our model thought that they were going to bridge him. Um, they were it was pretty they it was like given his age and status uh, and kind of I think the uncertainty of his prior um, I guess deployment or his prior points in time and ice that kind of thing. Uh, our model was pretty a little confident he wasn't going to go eight years. So it's a really unique contract that. Also is a little bit like the RNH contract we saw where um, like it was like a long eight year deal with a low cap hit, which you just don't see very often. But in terms of Erickson, I mean, he's one of the best defensive centers in the league. And a lot of people don't know that necessarily. And his points aren't necessarily high because he's utilized in a way that's just all shutting down the top line for every team, almost to a point that he doesn't really get offensive zone starts or any offensive draws at all. Um, they just throw him out with with Felino and then kind of a rotating winger cast of Greenway or Sturm or some or a few other players like throughout the years. But um, I I mean I've been one of you know me and there are a few other Wild fans on Twitter. I feel like we've been some of the most vocal fans of Eric Sinek for a long time. He's really one of those like classic like feels like it's back in 2012 2013 like analytic mm -hmm. darling kind of players that doesn't really catch anyone's eye who's more of a box score person but catches all does all the things right from an on ice and kind of that kind of evaluational uh, approach. So um, yeah, I, I just, I love the contract. I think it's a great deal. And I, I, I'm a little, I was surprised that, that he went for the eight year and didn't think that he might bet on himself for, you know, a bridge or something, but it's a great uh -huh. deal. Really great deal. All right. Yeah. Kind yeah. of the reason I, I wanted to talk about him was because he kind of reminded me of a, another player from a couple years ago, not exactly the same, but Sam Reinhart for the Sabres kind of undervalued um he got off to a couple slow starts point wise um jason botterill bridges him which now is widely regarded by sabers fans as one of his bigger mistakes um so i i think they should have tried to lock him up long term then um i was just wondering from like a contract projecting pro projection perspective if the Sabres really wanted to go like all in and convince him to stay, because you know there's rumors he wants out, 
like what what should they look for in a long-term contract for him like six seven yeah. years yeah i the, to be honest i don't have a clue what the favorites have been doing with reinhardt from like a, a contract standpoint what well, he signed a one-year deal right for 2021 and he signed a mm-hmm. three-year deal before that before that so, like they yeah. bridge him to then bridge him again it makes literally no sense to me yeah i don't really their utilization of him either so i don't really and now the fact that there's all this obviously i'm not gonna we don't need to get in this too much but the eichel stuff it's like well what if you're gonna trade eichel like why are you gonna then if you do trade eichel like why are you even gonna commit long term to reinhardt because yeah. like, what's the point of any of this right you bridge sam reinhardt to then bridge him again to then trade jack eichel honestly none of it makes any sense yeah no it doesn't <laughs> I, I, from our stuff i mean sam reinhardt is an absolute he's just been one of the better like kind of under under the radar players for a while i mean he and i'm not sure to be honest i'm not i don't I watch as many Sabres games as I maybe used to, or it's been, I mean, this last season was a little rough too. It's been a little rough going. I, I, I have a feeling, you know, uh, sticking around. I have a lot of uh, respect for Sabres fans who are still watching all the games um, at this point, but yeah, I, to honest, it's kind of baffling. I think a lot of the things the Sabres have done uh, kind of have baffled me from time to time and how they utilize certain players and like even working on expansion about who they're kind of protecting and like what their plans are around that. So um, I think in terms of like, for me to answer your, I guess to get back to the question with Reinhardt, I mean, I think that kind of player you want on the team. Like, I don't think, I think if like, it, it may, I, I don't know, bridges are always a little bit controversial in terms of, and also there's, there's a lot of times with it, there's kind of behind the scenes or different environment aspects that go in that aren't necessarily always the stats based or database, that kind of stuff. There are, you know, injuries, there's age, there's deployment or development, all these things that, are specific to players. I can't say speak really on that with Reinhardt, but um, I mean, if they if the Sabers want to win, I, I they're not going to find a better player in as a free agent than Reinhardt. Honestly, like unless they're going after like a, some defenseman that they want to spend huge money on, like Hamilton, right? This offseason, but like I mean, Reinhardt is their best option, I would think. Other than I mean, yeah. maybe what are they going to make a big bid on Deneau or someone? Like I don't. I, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I. But I also like now it's like, well, what is their plan long term? I think maybe is the bigger question as to how they're going to mm-hmm. deal with that part. And if they don't want to win, if they're trying to rebuild again or whatever, then I think they they would might as well just be <clears throat> trading him so they can get picks and prospects yeah. to kind of rebuild. I don't know. So it, yeah, it's baffling. I don't really get it. Baffling. Yeah. yeah. Sabres. Uh, yeah. Actually, our model Buffalo Sabres. What the hell is the point? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When, when, when you look at it's kind of funny because you brought up Eric and Eric Schenek before I took a peek at him, you know, obviously before the show, knowing what we were going to talk about, but um, taking a peek at Eric Schenek, when you look at like comparing the two players, right? So like, I guess when you sign that deal as the wild, you're assuming that Eric Schenek becomes sort of like a Reinhardt production wise. Um, if you look at Eric Schenek, one thing that I noticed that really went up this year was a shooting percentage. It, I think it more than doubled and he didn't take that many more shots. I think he took like an extra 17 shots and he let the year before it was 7.8. Now it's like over 16, which is amazing. And she's just taking better shots. Um, now, if you could have Reinhardt on that deal, say we're, we'd be what, three years in now. If we didn't sign the two bridges, we'd be about three years into the deal at 6 million cap for the next three years. Right, it'd be it'd be amazing just to have Reiner for another two for six because now that Eric's not got that deal, not that that's the only spoke, but that's one of the spokes in the wheel. Do you think that Reinhardt's going to be asking for six now? I'm thinking he's probably somewhere around eight, probably right. Yeah, I I wish that we we actually took our project our contract projections for last offseason off the site, and I I have them somewhere, but I didn't load them up. But we were really high. I mean, he was one of the top projected contracts by our model last year, and. 
Then out of nowhere, kind of like out of nowhere for the Hall deal, they, he signed a one year, which is rare. You don't really see those kind of deals very often. Um, so it was pretty unexpected. Uh, I think that, I mean, we right now project him, say he's he's a um, signing at free agency. So on July 28th or after, we have him at a, uh, the most likely contract we project is a five-year deal at just under $7 million. Um, mm. uh, If he goes higher, like if they want to lock him down more, it would, you know, our an eight-year deal, for instance, would go up to, I think it was over eight. Um, it's kind of what our projections at. So, like, I, I think it's probably comparable, but I think given, like you mentioned, Reinhardt's production, just point-wise, and also how he's utilized, leads to more money generally for players like that. He put up more points than Eric Sack does. That's just how historically GMs have paid. Um, so, yeah, I, there's a lot of question marks about, I think, both what the Sabres want to do and what their plans are for the next three years um, or four years or however long. But I, I don't also I would guess I mean, I don't know this, but does Reinhardt even want to stay in Buffalo? I mean, I don't know what his what the it's, players. It's you know. I don't think so. Personally, personally, I don't think so. Why would you want to? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, no, he what happened was this is, is the season ending presser. Uh, he's, you know, it's the day after he's over, they talked to him. He's always been that more blog guy, you know, and a lot of people took it like, he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be here by, you know, he didn't say, oh, I got nothing. Eichel Moore said he made it sound like, you know, wherever I play, but he just sounded so uh, humdrum. And Sick a couple days in a couple, was that? Sick and, of losing. Right. And a couple of days yeah. later, and you want them to say that, by the way, and a couple of days later when Granado was on and they asked him about that, Granado said, well, you know what, though? They're tired of these Zoom calls. They're tired of talking to you guys through the media about this losing. They're just tired of it all. But I tell you, when they're in the when they're on the bench, on the ice, or they're in the dressing room, whatever, it's totally different. They want to play hockey, and they just want to play hockey. You know? So, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I Who knows? I mean, you know, if you play for Sabres and it's like this all the time, yeah, everyone wants to eventually get out, but – who knows? I'm hoping somebody gives offers him an offer sheet and Buffalo matches it. I mean, if he even signs that, just to keep him. But, you know, I can't read a player's mind. And I think we try to do too much for what the media does is all oh, he said. We really don't know. Yeah. Well, and the other thing, too, I mean, Reinhardt's a perfect, like, I was just talking about this. I was on another podcast recently that they were asking about offer sheets and about, like, you know, do you go out for McCarr or Heiskanen, something like that. I actually think Reinhardt's, like, a better target because his contract likely isn't going to be as much so that, you know, the Sabres aren't going to be having to or have to give up potentially as much for Reinhardt deal. Now, a lot of it is speculative and you can't really know, but I agree. I mean, like, I think smart teams would probably be looking at a chance to either get Reinhardt, like, trade for him, like, right now, because he's what, 25? I don't know when he turns 26, but... 26, um, I think, right? Yeah, 25, I think, right now, but he, I think maybe he's... I can't quite remember. He um, is 25, and he'll be 26 by the beginning of next season, in about three and a half yeah. months. Three so, months. A team that's in contention right now is... I mean, there's... Yeah, I... I've, but I'm a little, I love, I mean, I've loved Reinhardt for years and I think uh -huh. he's those like kind of slightly underappreciated players. It doesn't really get the, you know, he's been in Eichel's shadow for a while. And I think for a while he was better than Eichel was at least for the first two years. Oh, yeah. Buffalo. So I don't know. I, I, none of it makes sense. And it's almost to a point I'm, I'm, maybe I'm coming off as slightly like a, you know, a little irritated about it. Cause it's been years of being irritated. Papers are doing Reinhardt. We're, we're all irritated about it. <laughs> well, last year he moved to center. And of course I've always said, oh, it's not going to work. We need to try it so long. The ship has sailed. Even Martin Baron said, I, told you sailed. So, I know I told you but Martin so. Baron said, oh, that ship has sailed because anytime they try, but they never really tried long enough. And then they really make it happen with, Granado and boom. I don't remember. Was he under Kruger? Was he a center? I can't recall. But no, definitely, Kruger. I tried not no, to. No, no, no. Go ahead. I don't want to recall any of Kruger. But as far as it, when he moves up, I was like, wait, wait, this can work. So, 
you know, if I go to end up not being traded because there's not teams to be many teams that are interested in doing this, plus the cap it, you can have Eichel, a one-two of Eichel and Reinhardt, and you have Dylan Cousins, or you can have Reinhardt number one cousin. I think Reinhardt stays. He gets a long-term contract here. Yes, he could try and maybe play one more year for free agency, but boy, would you want to take a chance at you getting hurt next year, or all of a sudden next year you just have a bad year, you score five goals, you just don't look good. If you get offered a contract, say six years, seven million, he's going to sign it just because it's a guarantee. Yeah. Next year, there's no guarantees after well, that. You've got you've got to look at the value too, and like think it like if you're Reinhardt, right? Like he's been taking these bridge deals and bettering himself, and in a way, one way or another. Obviously, he's an RFA, so he doesn't have much he can do anyways unless an offer sheet comes. But what? How much more is your? Are you going to put up 100 points next year? No, you're going to hit your probably 60, maybe 70 if you have a fantastic season. But how much more value are you really going to drive up? Is it worth the risk to try and get another million average per year? Or just take what you get now, where you could be risking maybe losing a couple million next year and not getting a long-term deal that you like at all. So, yeah, I mean, so Reiner has been a very consistent player for a while now. He doesn't. Sometimes he might be up and down, but from both like every facet of the game, he's just a really solid player all around. From a lot of stuff that we look at, and I would, I mean, we project him to be the best player on. I think the best player, yeah, he's best or like he's up there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we have him as like the top player for Buffalo in our projections next year now. Obviously, there are some things that go along with like high variance with the shortened season for prior years. And Eichel kind of was, you know, in, injured. He just had it was a weird year for the Sabres overall yeah. for everyone. So you kind of have to take some context into that. But um, I mean, I, 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 I don't. I, a lot of it's going to come down to what Reinhardt wants, I would guess. And I don't know. I mean, now we're starting to see, you know, trade requests like Tarasenko making the trade request and very different case. But you know, I, I, this is about the time that I wonder if he maybe if he wants that, if that would be the thing that he's. Mm -hmm look for i don't know so a lot of question marks i feel like with reinhardt in terms of sabers but i i'm not a sabers fan so i i don't quite know everything about it. neither am i neither am i <laughs> i won't admit no hey i'm gonna, I'm gonna throw a question at yeah i got a fan question in here for you so i know we we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, how you use some of your stuff here but let's go with the first question from Tom Ginger, do you use your work to determine which players are worthy of drafting early i think i'm gonna know your answer by based on before the show you mentioned uh, when we brought up uh, Byron Bader uh, prospects, and you're not really a prospect guy, so but no, how can you answer this question? So we we do we've done a little bit of work with identifying um, like value of picks. So like in trades, what the value would be based on what a player turns into, that kind of thing. Also, um, some of the stuff when you project uh, rookie players, you need to know were they generally a player who's drafted in the top ten of the first round versus somebody who's in the later half of the second round is going to have a much for the most part more likely value or impact on their team so when projecting future performance for a player or for teams like that that's but that's really important as well but um we like i mentioned to you before we started talking i i the prospect world is its own entirely own thing and we focus almost i like to try and not spread myself too thin when it comes to that it's, it would be pretty easy for us to just get lost in trying to i mean you see various prospect models that come up from time to time and it, that stuff takes a long time to get all the different leagues on the same comparable scale and getting you know your draft picks and you're also dealing with data that is really really limited in a lot of ways like some of the leagues don't even have time on ice tracked um you know so like it's it's i i have a lot of a ton of respect for prospect people and i, I just think it's a very difficult difficult job and i don't know maybe I'm, I'm sounding a little cowardly but it's more that i just don't really want it like it's a lot of it's very a lot of work so i we don't do a lot outside of just evaluating draft value and stuff like pick value that kind of stuff Right. It's kind of scary because Byron Bader's a really good guy. You said you know him too, and uh, we follow him. And 
he puts power as the seventh best prospect with a 7% chance of being a star in the league where uh, 75% of first overall picks end up being stars. Um, now, 75% is, is guaranteed, you know, because you can go by based on what you think a star is, you can use that pass. Projecting only 7%, you know, you know, and it's on record that my guys will tell you, I went at Clinton first overall, but, you know, Willie K. Power, who knows? I mean, you know, he's supposed to be the next whatever. But talking to Byron, uh, Power, he's thinking, he looks at him more as, oh, he told me what player he thought of. And it was like, uh, oh, really, that's it? It was like, what player was uh, okay, but, you know, like a good, decent player, but nothing exuberant, like no headman type player. So, yeah. Uh, let's see if Buffalo is there. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what uh, now that – and especially now that they're bringing in Sam. I mean, he has a lot of experience, too, with, like, working with all of the different aspects of, like, that kind of stuff. So I think that there's – I would expect there to be a more – at least some kind of semblance of a plan we in the public can kind of see from, a like, a future build for the Sabres, that kind of thing. Yeah, he uh, – just real quick, he had um, the other uh, – Clark, as he thinks, the best uh, defenseman in this draft. But uh, he compared power to. Um, I'm sorry, it wasn't going to be Sanderson. Huh? No, Sanderson? No, 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 no. Let's see, who did he compare him to? Um, I'm sorry. Oh, Bo Meester or Petriangelo. I mean, is that who's going to just? Is that a guy you draft? I mean, I'm, I'm, assu- I'm assuming that's ceiling. Yes. Yeah. That's the ceiling. I, th- I think I think his floor is like Eric Johnson. <laughs> But <laughs> now, now, now for sorry, go ahead. Go now, see you. Go ahead. You guys. I was going to say if we're, if, if we're done with the um, draft yeah. tangent, I want to yeah. ask about Eichel. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we, we definitely got to talk about the um, the big elephant, the big fish in the room. If we're talking about Sabers trade rumors and stuff, um, so Minnesota Wild are one of the half dozen, dozen or so teams that have been possibly linked to the Sabres in a Eiffel trade. Although, I mean, no one really knows anything at this point. Stuff is um, just flying around, but um, it is someone there, there in Minnesota, like, what do you think the wild might offer in a trade? What do you think be a good trade between the two and yeah, who, who the Sabers might get back. Yeah, I think it's a. I we we kicked it around. I wonder if I can go find the old. I did a uh, one of my. This is a slight tangent, but one of my things I like to do on Twitter is try to propose the most even trade proposals and get the closest from both yes or no uh, to fifty fifty. So if you propose Buffalo fans say no, Minnesota fans say no. If you can get something that both fans say no to, then you found yourself a pretty even trade. So like, I like to do that with polls occasionally. Um, I think from and I haven't heard a lot to be honest about um, exactly where the talks are. I, I've to be honest, I've been avoiding the Eichel stuff for a little bit just because it's like it seems like it's a lot, a lot of smoke. Where it seems like we're all every team is all in on Eichel and they all want Eichel and even you know I I don't. It's a little bit kind of waiting for things to settle down and and see. I'm I'm wondering if I can go in quickly, but um, I it's, I, I think the starting point it seems like is probably a, a pick or two, like a first pick or two. 
but also the Wild have several prospects that I think they're the Sabres will probably like. And there's a lot of question marks around Marco Rossi, but he is somebody, him or maybe Boldy or two that I think the Wild might be, you know, if they're looking for that kind of player. Um, because the right now, really, I, I've been a little bit hesitant about this because I really think like Eric Sinek should be getting like a role that Eichel would get when he was here. Mm-hmm. I would like Eric Sinek and you, you save money that way. You know, you're, you're the Wilder a little bit close to the cap, but they, they have some wiggle room and they're probably going to lose some cap in the expansion. Um, so I, I think a, a trade for from a Wild fan, I think a relatively fair trade would be something like maybe Rossi, uh, maybe Dumba. And may, I mean, like it, it, it depends. And then uh, maybe like two firsts or something, I think. Or it, it dep- a little bit would be like that's probably what Wild fans are maybe expecting a little bit. I think the one I proposed back in May was yeah it was Dumbo Rossi and then um the 21st, 22nd first and 20 uh 23rd like 2023 first um and for the most part buffalo fans said no to that uh <laughs> fan so like maybe buffalo is expecting more than that but yeah. i could see potentially the wild because of some of their no move restrictions and maybe some of their larger cap it maybe they would consider if they really were into it on like getting somebody like you know trading somebody like Brodine um, who I think is better than Dumba and a very, very good defensive oh, yeah. defenseman that Buffalo would really, I think, value probably. But I, a lot of it is probably – it probably starts with one of Rossi or Boldy or they – I mean, and then a couple firsts and maybe a defenseman I would think is maybe something that the Wild might be able to offer. Um, a lot of that also has to do with the, the Wild are probably going to be losing or trading Dumba ahead of the expansion draft because they have no moves on Suter, Spurgeon, and Brodine already. So uh. they – Tag Dumba, and he's got I think two or three more years left on his deal, and it's actually not that bad. It's like six six years or six million. Um, I think Dumba is he's he's maybe overvalued by points. Uh, I, I think he's a pretty weak defensive uh-huh. defense. Um, he's really really he's like for years he had one of the best shots from a defenseman in the league. Um, and he's very good on the power play as well, but. Um, I don't. I think that the Wild are probably okay losing him, given they also don't really have a choice if Seattle wants him. So, that uh, kind of rambly answer, but I think that's yeah. about probably what it looks like for what, what Wild fans were probably like. Yeah, we'd probably do that. Yeah, trading yeah. for a guy we passed up on the draft would be kind of I know. strange. You know, real quick about that. Me and Steve, that's our. We we, we don't. Agree yeah, on a lot I, of I like Rossi. He likes Rossi. I had no problem with the Quinn pick. You know, do you, you know, you said you have questions about Rossi, and somebody else I spoke to said, um, yeah, they don't think Rossi's all that. Um, well, the questions are about our due yeah. to COVID. That was the thing. What I was implying was the COVID issue is that there's there's still it's still a little fuzzy about how his recovery is going. I think it sounds like it's been much better the last month. Well, that's uh, good. But it was a long. I mean, it was there. I mean, mm. it was heartbreaking type stories that yeah, Bruce missed the whole about. season. Yeah, <laughs> and. I, I, it's also hard. I, I'm one that with prospects, I'm always skeptical of players who've never played in the NHL, even like a couple games, like until we can actually see how they play in like the in that environment. Um, it's really hard, but you know, like Vader is really, really has was really high. A lot of people were really high on Rossi, and I tend to trust a lot of those prospect people when it comes to that because they're more often than not pretty kind of right. Like it's not like Rossi is gonna. I don't think you know, he's a terrible player in the NHL. Maybe more than he. Generally, what happens is high higher end offensive guys. They come into the league and they they have a lot of defensive issues because of how they were used and how they played. So I don't know. I I, I think supposedly Rossi is supposed to be really good, but a lot of questions are about COVID and, and what his uh, condition is like right now. 
Well, Caulfield looked really good in the playoffs. So, you know, I mean, yeah. a lot of teams, half the league passed up on him. So, well, hopefully uh, he does get healthy. I mean, back to full health. That's the most important thing. I um, mean, hopefully hopefully he's great in NHL. Hopefully Quinn's great for us in NHL. And uh, it doesn't mean he was a wrong pick. Steve always says, just, just he, he's not saying Quinn was a wrong pick. It just, he liked Rossi better. And, you know, and then. Yeah, he, oh, no, he's not he wasn't the right pick but that doesn't mean he's a bad player bad pick it's like owen power i think is totally not the right pick for the sabers at one doesn't mean he's going to be a bad player he's not going to be a very good player yeah i just don't think you should use first overall on a defenseman who may or may not be a top pair guy a lot of the top five picks that are used on defensemen don't end up being norris guys those guys are usually picked later because I think it has more de- development. Darlene eventually. When, when you can get, we have, we have can one get a guy like Eklund. Like, you got an impact forward. you got to take the impact forward. <clears throat> All right. So is Bernier right. kind of – Bernier is kind of uh, – yeah. is he kind of just symbol? Yeah, he's just kind of simmered down to yeah. – Well, the injury, the injury question, but everyone still thinks he's the best forward in the draft. I mean – I think, yeah, I think he'll overcome that. So we'll see. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to throw this question out to all three of you, uh, you know, and see what you guys think. Uh, Sal Capaccio, a local reporter here, he's been filling in for a show called The Instigators here. I don't, you probably know the show, right? Uh, Josh, you probably heard the show, The Instigator. Uh, it's not... a local, okay, it's a local radio station. Andrew Peters and yeah, a couple, uh, couple of, a couple of meathead enforcers. Yeah, crazy. They're pretty good. It's called The <laughs> But uh, so they're on vacation. So Sal, Sal said, and I was he was said, he said he was he was talking to a reporter. He couldn't remember, you know, I can't remember who the reporter was, but. The guy said many teams in the league agree with the Sabres' stance on the surgery and will not be willing to trade for him. He also said a lot of teams don't have the money or cap space to go for him. So it, the, even is that is Eichel almost untradeable for what the Sabres want at least? I I, I think that Eichel I no I don't I mean I, the thing is I don't have I, I don't I don't know it sounds like there's not a lot of information yeah. about his injury status and what not his, much. Yeah, which is probably the Sabres are keeping that. Well, who knows? I'm not going to speak on that. But um, right. Michael is still one of the best centers. If you assume he's healthy, he's one of the best centers in the league. And I, I think that any team, especially a team that's looking to, you know, maybe they're like, I think, so, like, I, hasn't LA been in on the talks or am I maybe I'm thinking about something else? Or they were, they were, but a, a reporter out there um, that um, I, one of our local <laughs> reporters said a reporter on LA said that they totally backed out. They is that that reporter saying that he had the in on the Kings and that he wouldn't yeah. say that unless it's true. That yeah. could change tomorrow, though. Things always yeah. change. Like I think that for Eichel, Eichel is is definitely somebody that a, a young up and coming team that's maybe on the uh-huh. like brink is definitely like that's the kind of player that's the team that's going to want that kind of player. But a lot of those teams have prospects that are really good that they're maybe hoping to become those players and they don't have to maybe take on ten million for another what is it five or six years? I think on Eichel's deal. Um, and so. Uh-huh. I, I, I think it's I those might make sense. I actually think the wild kind of make sense based on how they've been like talking. I don't really know from a team standpoint if they're ever going to really do that, but they want they've wanted a number one center for years, even though they they kind of had Koibu and didn't ever consider him that. Um, I, same thing with Eric Sinek, I think could easily be and is a number one center, but they're not going to use him like that. So they want somebody like that, and it sounds like Kaprizov is saying that he wants that kind of center on the team. So if for a team like the Wild who are 
kind of in win now mode again, which is a little bit odd because they were just only like three years ago still like in win now mode. And now they've retooled and they're back to trying to win because they got Caprice up again. Um, yep. And they also have pretty good prospects. So um, I, I don't think he's untradeable. I think that the number of teams that are able to take him on definitely is low or is lower because of his yeah. capital. Like the Leafs aren't going to make that happen. You know, like the, yeah. the, the Lightning aren't going to get him. I mean, like Colorado isn't going to get him. These really, really good teams are not going to be adding him. But maybe some, some, like a team or two who are in the, right on that, like kind of maybe getting into contention for like, you know, conference final, Stanley Cup, they think they're at. Um, I also think of uh, uh, teams at the low end of the cap space that, but that have prospects might be looking at him too. So yeah. it's not untrainable, but hard, I think. Colorado could be the best team. I think Steve, was that you? I was talking with you about Colorado. Uh, not best team. I think they could be a dark horse just because of their um, their prospect pool, their cap space, and if they really want to take advantage of the next two years when Nathan McKinnon is on the best contract in hockey, maybe you load up on an Eichel to like, hey, maybe we can do what Tampa did and win two straight with McKinnon and Eichel and then figure things out after that. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they do if they, if they, I I would assume they wouldn't be able to keep Landeskog if they wanted Eichel. So like, it would be interesting what happens there, but I like, I, it's hard. I think they also, Colorado has some, some, they're right. Very, very close to having issues with expansion and they're not very far away from like Eric Johnson, not waving his no move to being like really Mm -hmm. actually like kind of potentially losing a really good player. So yeah, it's there's a lot of I. It's hard. It's going to be hard for the Sabres to trade Eichel, but definitely there are teams that would take that would try to make it work. Well, no, Colorado. They would ask Eichel. They would trade for him. And say, hey, you're going to have a surgery in October. You'll be ready to play by April, and then oh, they're, 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 they're going to do the Tampa thing around. They're going to do the circumventing of the cap. <laughs> that's still, that's assuming that the league doesn't ban that this off season, which I don't know. Yeah, they have to I wait until the. They, I don't think they will this season. They can't until the CBA oh, is up in 23. Yeah, that's true. It's CBA thing. Too, yeah. So it'll be 23 when they decide to do that, and they fix the college loophole of. Well, you get drafted, but if you stay in college for four years, then you're out. That's got to change, too. All right, AC, did you want to hit some of these charts still, or what are we doing here? Um, yeah, so, um, I mean, we, we are going a little over on time, but Josh will give you a little opportunity if you want to talk a little about your site, um, like your RAPM model, your war model, just kind of like what you're doing with that and um, anything new or exciting you guys got going on. Yeah, I think that I can I can kind of end it on this. I'll just I'll keep it short on the stats because I don't want to. I'm not going to bore people to death here. You know, with, with all the with all the stuff. Basically, like I mentioned at the beginning of the site, or sorry, beginning of the show, uh, my brother and I we run. We're the co-creators of Evolving-Hockey.com, um, and we run. It's a it's a advanced stats site um, that. Uh, it just houses a bunch of different metrics, proprietary and both proprietary and standard kind of NHL data for it's got box score stuff, but then a lot of the more advanced uh, metrics. And we have several models that some people are familiar with from some of the charts that float around here and there. Um, probably the one that we're best known for is our RAPM or RAPM charts, which some people uh, will see as just like a bar chart that has like purple and red, you know, for the yeah. good. Ron, if you want to throw one of them up there. Uh, yep, I'm about to do that now. Yeah, so. Um, we'll do this one here, Steve, and you'll, I, I, I don't know exactly whose it is here. You know yeah, I did cut the names off in case you wanted uh, to like guess them. Oh, I think I know who that is. I think yeah. I look at this Number one. three, oh. chart number three there, Steve. I believe yeah. that's Jason Pominville. Derek <laughs> Roy. I saw the Pominville <laughs> behind you too as well. I have a, oh, you know. Yeah. 
that's a place my heart for Palmer is when he was on the wild. But anyway, so yes, this is one of our models that some people are familiar with. And um, it's, it's actually multiple different um, models that are the same one that attempt to evaluate how, uh, or I guess analyze a player's impact on a given metric. So in this case, it would be like Pominville's impact on goals for compared to the positional average or forwards. So you can see that he's about one standard deviation better in terms of his impact on goals scoring for his team. You can go down the the uh, on the bottom, you know, the x-axis or the y, but you have expected goals for and Corsi for, which is shot attempts. Um, and then the last two are the defensive. So expected goals against is kind of like a scoring chance type uh, metric. Uh, and then Corsi against would just be shot attempts against. And then the, the the chart on the right is the is his impact on the power play. Um, so that's one of the big ones that we have on our site. We also have a war model um, that's kind of an interpretation of uh, baseball, which we we attempt to to boil down the impact a player has on the various different facets of the game into one number. Um, it's actually a bunch of different models that not a bunch, but it's a lot of different models that go together. And then this is kind of that is seen here. So this is our overarching player card. For Erickson Act, said, you know, we, have, we kind of then assign a, a percentile type number. I think those could be a little problematic because they're a little misleading because the distributions aren't normal. But, you know, we have them as a top, you know, 90 basically percentile player. Um, and then you'll see the EV offense, EV defense. Those right there are our war models, but um, they're weighted. Uh, they're, they're centered. They're. They're 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 comparable to the position, so they're two forwards, um, and then other stuff that we have is also from our war model. So that's all on our site. Um, we do, like we mentioned earlier, have contract projections that uh, we 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 update in the at the pretty much close to the end of the season. So those are live right now, um, and I won't ramble too much more. But we also, uh, I think Monday we'll be publishing a pretty big piece on expansion. That's kind of a look at what we have researched and gathered we think is the most likely outcome for team protected lists and then also what based on our projections we would like what we would as a site or the two of us would pick for seattle based on who's exposed um, i want to put this chart up and uh we want you josh to guess who this was because when steve told me i'm like wait what all right <laughs> so who is this who would this be if you even I, former saber former saber oh oh this is I, is this is this Derek Roy? Dang! Yeah, yeah very good. Yeah, very very good. Is, so <laughs> I only know that because that's one of the. I I will say with this 070, every year there's like every couple years there's one player who like breaks our models in some way. <laughs> what is this chart telling us now? Tell us. Well, how good was Derek Roy? He was really really good based on this. Now all Buffalo fans, people still bring this up for years. People have been bringing us up as Derek Roy's 0708 year. I think there was some. I don't know. I'm not going to speak on it, but I remember some joke about how he was off ice stuff. He was in bars, or there was something that year where it was like I'm not really sure. I don't honestly <laughs> even know who Derek Roy is. I don't have a clue what he did in 0708. So. Oh, yeah. I don't know, but this would say that he had a huge impact on Buffalo's uh, goal scoring that year when he was on the ice compared to his teammates in the competition, all that stuff held equal. And he also generated or helped generate a lot of scoring chances or expected goals when he was on the ice. Now, mm -hmm. I, I didn't watch him. I have no clue. Some of the data from 0708, because it was the first year they did it, is a little shaky here or there. And I could, maybe there's some weird thing with him when I, I don't think he played a ton of minutes. I don't know. Honestly, I have no clue. I've seen this chart a lot, so I know it. <laughs> <laughs> he took over for when uh, Briere and uh, Drury left the summer of 07, so he became our number one center. So he went from really? number three to number uh, one. Okay, and yeah. he was our right. He was our you know thing. So and he was yeah. playing with um he was playing with Vanek and Afinaginov who 
Uh, Vanek, of course, a uh, elite sniper and yeah. um, Nathan Wild was just a possession machine. Yeah, no, Vanek was really good in his prime, but he really fell off quick. So, uh, um, but yeah, so that's pretty much it. I don't want to, you know, I, I know we're way past time, so that's uh, it happens every week. We we tell people thirty minutes not to scare them off, but we don't ever make you guys leave. You stay as yeah. long as you want to stay. We're <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Um, I have one final question. I have one final question that we're talking about the expected goals. And for somebody to sit there and say, okay, all right, a layman like me who just looks at final scores and like what they're doing on the ice, when somebody says an expected save percentage or an expected goal. Uh, like, uh, you know, his expected goal, like that yeah, we saw in Derek, like when somebody said expected, I'm going to say expected by who really, let's just, if you can define it as best you could for dumb it down for me. Yeah. So, uh, when the, it's a model, so it's, it's, and I'm, I'm not going to get too, so for you, when a player takes a shot, we have a bunch of uh, data points that we know about that shot. So where it came from on the ice, we have X, Y coordinates on the grid, that kind of thing. We also know how far away it was from the, the goalie. We know the angle that it was to the goalie. We know what the events were that preceded that shot. So you'll see sometimes a turnover will lead to a goal or a shot, you know, a rush shot, that kind of thing. We're able to take all of that stuff and put it in an algorithm or a model um, after a lot of work. This is very simplistic, but um, that will then assign based on all of that data, whether or not we think how likely that that shot is to become a goal based on previous data. Now we already it's we kind of use previous data that we already know which shots are goals, and so you are able to then kind of find the relationship between a bunch of those different aspects of the data that we have available to then assign a probability. So for the most part, the simplest way to put it is: the closer you are to the net, the higher the expected goal is. Now. There are a lot of different things that go into that, but for the most part, even with really like the more advanced player tracking or you know video tracking, like a shot that's from the point is not going to ever have a higher probability of going in than a shot that's five feet out or something. Well, um, Colin Miller know that. Yeah, and so <laughs> for the most part, what the goals is is a lot of the time doing is it's able to take a lot of this context about where shots are coming from and where what is going on when that shot is occurring. That then gives us a much, in my opinion, of, and we can kind of see it in how the model is used for predicting future events and future occurrences. But for the most part, when a shot is taken, expected goals is just the value of a probability of. So if it is a point three expected goals, that says thirty percent of the time you would expect that goal, to, that shot to become a goal. That's the, does that play who the goalie is like a Carey Price versus a Michael Hauser for Buffalo? Like you said to say, well, Carey Price is going to save it all day long because he's that great. Yeah. But, but and who the shooter is? I mean, you know, you got a Mike Bossy versus a John Scott of the Sabers. I mean, yes. so yeah. that does take place, right? Like there's yeah. the players. Okay. So there's a couple different ways. There's it's actually not shooter models like that are are actually it's 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 hard when you're working with this when you have 900 players who are shooting pucks all the time. You right. might only have five or six players who actually have that kind of impact on shooting, and so these models can be very they can really not add that much because a lot of times, even though we know that Ovechkin is, you know, an incredible. That's shooter, who I was thinking of right, right now when you're talking. Also about. takes 300 or 400 shots a year. Right. And so, and not all of them are going to be goals. And so when you actually take all of those into account, the likelihood of adding, you will get some bumps here and there. And we do see that goalies, there isn't as much research or stuff that supports that a goalie has any impact on from like the probability of, right. Like, as, like obviously there are, 
goalies who are really, really good. But for the most part, goalies kind of even out within a model like this, where you take aggregate of all of the goalies and stuff like that. But this is, I don't, I could get going about this. <laughs> it's all right. We're going to put you on again sometime. I promise. Cause this is great stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, Jay, do you have any final questions for Josh here? Josh of evolving wild folks, by the way, tonight's show is brought to you by dinosaur barbecue, IGG marketing. And of course, John and Mary subs. I, mean, I am supposed to get that in some during the show and uh, that's not me, but Jay, you got a final question yeah. for our guest? Yeah. So forgive me if I missed this earlier before I got on here, but um, Rasmus Dahlin, I just kind of Rasmus, not Rasmus, we Rasmus Dahlin. <laughs> okay. I wanted to know what your thoughts are now, obviously different position than Reinhardt, different skill level, different value contract wise, market wise, everything is, is pretty different, but is that someone that you would look at the past? Obviously we're talking a GM or two ago, an organization, really a whole de organizational depth chart two or three times ago, but is that someone you would approach differently? Now, would you lock him up now? Would you wait it out and try and play the RFA game? Hopefully not get an offer sheet. Or, or would you just say, Hey, this is what we think you can do. We've seen what you can do. We're going to sign you for this much for this long. I mean, how would you go about doing that? Or would you play the game? Not knowing what we're, I mean, if we're going to, if we're going to get rid of Michael or not, if we're not, if we're going to lose Reinhardt, if we're going to rebuild completely, if we're going to just reload, you know, how would you address that? How would you approach it? Yeah, I think Dahlin's a really interesting case. He's obviously still very young, uh, and he's you know he was on his well, he was he on his entry level. Yeah, he's on his entry level, which mm -hmm. is now RFA coming now, right? RFA yeah. now received. Yeah, yep. yeah. Let me actually see if we have. Um, yeah, we we currently have him projected at a longer term deal, so like a six year deal is what the what our mm. most likely projection is now. That's I think with some of these really young players, they're like I I bet in this case I'm, I'm I would be curious that it's the the model is a little bit more um, it it is more towards the higher end. I think that it's hard with these players, and I also don't feel like I can when they're under you know say 21 or something. I, I still think there are some aspects of of their how they played in their lower leagues that can lead into better mm -hmm. ways to predict. Um, I think Darlene kind of had a little bit of a lower than expectation season last season, maybe a little bit, but the whole Sabres team did. And I think that it's a little bit from a team standpoint, they might want to, I wouldn't be surprised if they're maybe looking to see if they could bridge him just to see if he's in a new environment or if they bring in new players, if, if that impacts him. But from all accounts, it seems like he's a very, very good defenseman. He's very young and you generally want to get those years locked up. Um, now, at what term? I don't know what Darlene would expect. So that, I think, is really the, the point at which it would probably – but, like, I would say six by six if, if Darlene took – that seems like a really good deal for Darlene now. Or six that'd, by be a, that'd be a very good deal because yeah. that Carlson – I think that Carlson contract kind of messed up the market for defensemen, so – yeah. Yes. And <laughs> I have a feeling that because of the trend we've seen recently with younger players is he probably doesn't want to go long term. He probably wants a forward like the Matthews deal or he wants. I mean, that's not it's a forward, obviously, but that's kind of the trend we're seeing with younger players is they want to go four or five years when they're in their early 20s to try and cash out again. And then when they're 26, 27. Um, so I, I, I feel like that's probably what he and his agent are pushing for because they're betting on themselves that they could he could get a huge deal when he's 26 or something, too, or 27. So. But yeah, I'll leave it there. I think there's a lot of uh, uh, things I don't feel like I have a, the greatest grasp on when it comes to Darlene and his situation in Buffalo. Well, Granado really showed how bad Kruger of a coach was. When, I, when you look at some of the players, middle step, but especially Darlene. Darlene did a complete 180. Uh, Kruger tried to, I don't know, stifle him and everything he did. Don't go past the blue line. Chip it. Don't do this. Don't do that. Granado told him to go play hockey. I, I thought he was great the second mm -hmm. half. but Oh, yeah. 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 Better, much yeah. better. Yeah. 
So, but yeah, that's my, uh, my thoughts on, uh, on, on Dolly. I think Steve, final wrap up question for you. And then we'll call tonight folks. Um, well, I think, think we ran through all my prepared questions. Um, we don't prepare ahead of time. What are you talking no, about? No, we don't. It's all, all by this. <laughs> all live, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, Two things are I, I don't know. Any, any, um, I'll just throw this out here. Any early projections who you think might win the heart next year, who you think might be the Stanley Cup champion next year? Yeah, Stanley Cup, I, I don't think that – I want to wait for the expansion draft and free agency to really kind of the dust to settle because there's mm-hmm. a lot of changes. It'll probably be Seattle for somebody. We know we're ready for that. Yeah, I, I, I will <laughs> say – I'll make two, I think, is, is I think McCarl will win the Norris next year. Um, and I think that uh, Seattle is going to be better than some people think, but I don't think they're the, – the forward depth is, is very, very shallow, especially on center. Their defense could be really good. Like, it could be really good. They, but I, I, there's going to be a lot of trades I think teams are going to do before then, like so they don't lose good players for nothing. So we'll see a lot more of those. So that's those are my two – I don't really have much – I think it's too early to say anything right now. Yeah, I, so, I, I like Seattle. Yeah. So, I like Seattle for Eichel. I think oh, Eichel could, yeah. could yeah. make a lot of sense for Seattle and vice versa. The only Five thing I think kind of um, hampers it is I don't think prior to the expansion draft that they would be able to afford to give up the capital that it would take to get him. One, well, they're also they they're because of the rules they have to get to a certain point and they're probably going to get over that and so you're going to be they're also going to be pretty high up against the cap maybe early on so I don't yeah. know I I think that makes a lot of sense especially given how terrible the centers are that are exposed I mean your best mm-hmm. center available right now is Gord who's incredible but he's definitely not going to be available I think Tampa will trade oh, yeah. him before they, yeah. they make him available and, I like him a lot I love Yanni Gord. Yeah. Oh, he's 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 fantastic and then after that you have like Enrique who's still good but he's older and then. I don't know, like um, Duclair, you know, who's who's a good player, but not mm-hmm. maybe sign of uh, the one C that you would maybe want on a team. So yeah, I'll, I'll there's a lot of unknowns I think around. Well, that. Kevin Adams and Carmanos are friends with Francis, but an article came out yeah two yeah two days ago an article came out that it just mean that an article yesterday came out about something about two days ago is about Ron Francis and uh, some people close to the situation said he's not really interested in making side deals so he doesn't take a certain player. Is it true or not? Who knows? I mean, somebody comes up and says, hey, you know, if you don't. You know, so who knows if that's true, but they're saying that he's being so coy right now and no one can really read him, but somebody thinks that he's not really interested in doing that. And then, of course, yesterday's article came out that um, Lou Lamarillo will probably push the RFAs, and Colorado could see – I don't know, can one team try more than one? I don't know how it works with the with the, um, offer sheets, but somebody said uh, Colorado might see four of them, McCarr being the big one, and then some second-tier guys on their team. And they expect more this year than the past. They say every year, but somebody feels this is really the year you're going to see it because they, teams are. They say that up. every year. Yeah, but this article is like wait because Lamar, things are being said. So I hope I hope it is part of it's part of the business, right? They yeah. should say, well, then they're gonna they're gonna be mad at me if I do this. Screw that. I mean, <laughs> it's part of the business. I mean, well, I think I, they I, don't work just because they're ineffective. I think yeah, you don't Aho, see more offer sheets Aho. just because they're ineffective. The Aho offer sheet, look at that. It was almost like they Carolina called or Montreal called Carolina said, How much do you want to pay this guy? Let's give him that and you got him. I mean, it's almost like it was like a hoots thing, if you ask me. Of course, it probably wasn't, but I'd love a team to come up to Reinhardt and say, Hey, six year deal, seven, seven point five. You know, now does he sign it because he knows Buffalo will match it? He probably, I think he does. 
But I wouldn't be surprised if somebody's seen working cahoots like that. But we'll we'll see. So do you, uh, all right, my, that's it. Then we'll end on that. Josh, do you see any uh, major offer sheets, or do you think it'll be just like any other year? I think it's going to be like maybe one. I don't. They, I just don't think the GMs ever do it, and I don't see any reason why they would. But McCarr is. I think Pedersen is somebody that I. I think any team, smart team would probably try for Pedersen. But yeah, a lot of speculation. I like it's and the GMs are just they never do it. I you just don't ever see it. All right. Yeah. All right. So that's it. We're going to call a wrap. I know we went way over time, but you know what? We got a lot of good information tonight. I learned a lot. Uh, Jay, you were a little bit late. I know. See, that's why I have to show Jay's always late. Half time, I'm not sure I can even do this so much. I'm telling them 7 30 next time. Yeah, I know, right? Uh-huh. No, I'm going to tell them 6 30. Yeah, right. I'm telling them 7 30. I was going to say 6 30 because Josh is out west in Minnesota, so he's an hour difference there, right? So you're looking at 8 o'clock there. So, all right, Josh from Evolving Hockey and Evolving Wild. Really, yeah. appreciate, really appreciate you coming on for uh, really, I've learned a lot. Um, my head's a little scrambled right now, but that's okay. <laughs> you know, I, you know, Steve's really helping me a lot over the last little while. You know, Jay's, I think, more my big football guy here, but he knows his hockey, so, you know. Um, thank, uh, thanks you, so much for having me. It's, it, was yeah, it was great. great. It was great. Hopefully you'll come on again sometime. I'd be happy, yeah. <laughs> we'll, uh, you know, we'll try to stick to script a little bit more, but really these shows are so much fun. You know, we never know where it's going to go. So Yeah, thank right, you, thanks so much. Take it easy, and uh, you, you guys take care. All right, everybody, the Randy Ron Show with – Josh from Minnesota of Evolving Wild, Evolving Hockey, and, of course, my two cohorts, Steve at, on the Warpath, and, of course, Jay Don't Fade. Hey, what, uh, what's your uh, website, Josh? Yeah, evolving-hockey.com. And then our – A dash underscore. It's a dash. Yes. We Long story, we, we tried to get the domain evolvinghockey.com, but somebody in Jersey has noted since 10, 2010, and we couldn't broker it. I don't know why. So we still have a dash there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's cool. You know, when you said dash, I really thought you were going to say, oh, you mean underscore, right? But no, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right, everybody. Yeah. We'll be back. Uh, actually, we'll be back on Monday. As the show I was supposed to have last night, we'll be on Monday night with our uh, Buffalo Sabres guests. Everybody, this is Randy Ron Show. Have a good night.